My purpose in life is to leave my dent in the universe in absolutely everything I do, as well as to inspire and help others do the same. For someone to leave their dent in my life is a privilege. For me to leave my dent in someone else's life is an honor. But to inspire and help others leave their own dent in the universe is an indescribable feeling. I plan on doing this through this podcast by celebrating my guests and inspiring my listeners, all while leaving my own dent in the universe and helping others do the same. My name is Fer Andrade, and this is Denting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Denting with Fer. Today, I have a special guest, um, someone that I don't have the pleasure of knowing just yet, but that I hope mm -hmm. I'll be getting to know a bit more today. Alicia Wilson, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. Um, so before we dive into your story, would you like to introduce yourself for those that may or may not know you? Yeah, so I'm Alicia. Uh, I'm a junior studying business administration here at Berkeley. I'm on the swimming team and obviously, as you can probably tell by now, I am English. So hailing from quite a faraway place, but it's cool to be here. We're happy to have you here. Um, so we'll start off with that. You grew up in England, born and raised, I assume. Yes. Um, did you live there your, your whole life before coming here? Yeah, so I have lived in the same county my whole life, uh, moved houses a bit, but stayed in the same county, which is quite small. And coming to America was my first time living away from home. Uh, and apart from that, I'd always been at Guildford and always trained at Guildford and hadn't really ventured out too far. And with, with being at home, obviously, um, in a bit of studying, you obviously traveled because of swim mm -hmm. and things like that. But um, how, how did you feel in your transition coming to Berkeley, not even with swim, but with school, the culture, leaving home and being so far away? I was definitely worried at first. Obviously, you know, it is a far away journey and uprooting myself completely away from home for the first time ever was honestly terrifying, but it was a leap that I wanted to take to just further myself and make myself more independent, not even just as a swimmer. Uh, you know, academically, the rigor of UK academics is very hard. And so I feel like that did prepare me and I didn't have too much of a shock, which was nice uh, coming into Berkeley. So it was definitely a lot easier than I thought, uh, but it was scary. It was scary. Mm. Um, we'll talk a bit about why it wasn't uh, <laughs> too much of a problem school-wise for you. But f before that, um, in the bit of reading you have in your bio for, for the Cal Bears page, mm. Um, it says you, you did play other sports growing up. So how was that experience for you? Was it field hockey and gymnastics, right? Yeah. So I was very lucky at my school. They did offer a lot. And I almost at one point quit swimming for gymnastics. You know, oh. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I loved dressing up in those leotards and flipping around, honestly. But, you know, as I did get older, I had to stop. And probably at age 12 or 13, I stopped gymnastics and... Field hockey was always a sideline passion. It was never something that I 
was ever going to take forward as far. It was something that I was, you know, on the first team at my school, but that was about it. And so after I got to about 16 and moved schools, it was just swimming from then on. And you you mentioned having to decide between gym and swim. Mm -hmm. How did you choose swim? How was that process? Honestly, I just enjoyed swimming more. And, you know, there was a far bigger group of friends that I had there and sociably it was a lot more exciting and there are a lot more meets and things like that so it was a no-brainer in the end and I'm happy that I did make that decision. And were, were you at the competitive level obviously not that you are right now because it's completely different but in was your mindset as competitive as it is nowadays back then? Yeah I was very even with my swimming and gymnastics abilities uh, it could have gone either way and honestly, at that time, it probably could have lent more towards gymnastics. But, you know, since I have grown, I am a lot taller and more of a physique of a swimmer. So I guess it turned out well. So th- so that did that play a role or did it just turn out well in the end? Honestly, it just turned out well in the end. You know, I think the decision I made was purely on enjoyment and social setting. Okay. And you you mentioned your school, even switching schools at age 16. Mm-hmm. Um, was was that process of being in the same school competing at, like, did you compete in school, right? That, that's how it works over there? Actually, in the UK, we're not fortunate to have a very competitive high school system okay. like they do in the US. So a lot of it is done through swimming clubs. So I actually never represented my school that I was there for the last few years you know I became very removed from it and just focused on club swimming okay so that that's right that is the difference there where it's outside and then school um but you were quite good at both um from what I was reading you I mean obviously you're a, you're a business major but you even got an award for history and, and historian <laughs> of, of both something with swimming and, and school so you were doing well in both did that clearly play a role in your decision to come to the States for school? Yeah, I mean, in the UK, swimming and academics, you have to choose between one or two. You know, you can't do both of them, which is a real shame, you know, but you can't be in a national centre and swim at that level and attend school. It's just not possible. But here, they offer that. And that was definitely the motivation behind my decision to come to the States. And how was that recruiting process for you? Um, from Guilford finding Berkeley out of all places so how, how does that happen? Uh, it was very different for me you know I obviously had to do a lot of the legwork and reach out to the coaches and you know whilst I had meddled at a European stage and things like that I was not at the caliber that some of the people that were being recruited were you know so it was a lot of the time me emailing the coaches and saying you know I know I'm from a faraway place but I am interested in your university and then I then flew out and had a look at four schools and narrowed it down from there. Nice. And once you did narrow it down, you showed up here. You said that it was different because you weren't with your family for the first time, Mm -hmm. um, even though you had uh, traveled and things like that. Um, Was the culture within swimming different here than in the UK? Did that play a role in your development? Yes, definitely. You know, here, swimming is a team sport. And back home, it was very much me on my own. And, you know, I was fortunate with the club that I was at. But even so, when you get older, there's less people at that level. And 
less people willing to kind of sacrifice social things or their academics and it is a hard balancing act and I don't think the UK facilitates it as well so it is definitely an isolating sport when you're at the top and so being able to come here and have a group of 25 girls that are all at the same level and academically motivated as well made such a big difference. How, how important have your academics been for you personally? Are you naturally just good on that side? Do you work on it? Um, how do you balance that? And I ask that to many people that are here because they're good at both things, mm. but you're extremely good at both things uh, <laughs> with, with business and then competing at such a high level. So how does that happen? Do you tend to prioritize one over the other at times or how does that work? I think it is more of a balancing act and trying to keep them in their separate buckets, if that makes sense, you know, give the same work ethic to swimming and give the same work ethic to uh, my business major. You know, obviously at times of the year, there are times that have I have to place more emphasis on academics, you know, finals week, I have to make sure that I am performing in that as I would in the pool. And at the same time, you know, back in April, my academics were parked to one side so that I could compete at my best in the pool. So I guess it's a bit like a seesaw. It does switch and change. Um, but at the same time, you do just have to give your best all the time to both of them. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And you, you have that going for you and those two buckets. Do you happen to balance out anything else or is it full focus on those two things? It's very important for me to get that social side as okay. well. You know, I think being happy in the environment that you're in makes everything else successful. And there have been times where I haven't prioritized my social life as much as I should have done. And it hasn't, you know, worked out as well. And I think when I am able to do something that I like on a Saturday, for example, with my friends, it pays dividends in swimming. And same with academics, you know, I'm more motivated at the end of the week or during the weekday to do something that I necessarily don't want to get my head down and do because I've had that social time. Yeah. In, in your freshman year, or at least for many freshmen here at Cal, we come in thinking, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be perfect at this and this and this. Did you ever face that struggle, like you mentioned, of balancing those things, um, especially the social aspect to things because you were so focused on, on school and swim? was that ever a struggle for you yes and no you know I think it was definitely a struggle in January through to uh April I'd say my freshman year you know we obviously go on a uh, a spell where it is all swimming focus and all you're doing it during the week is swimming and academics and same with the weekend really and I did feel like I was missing out a little bit but honestly it was worth the sacrifice and from that kind of August period to December, you know, it was very sociable and I did meet a lot of friends that, you know, could accommodate me being, you know, stuck inside a lot of the time and I was really grateful for that. So it did at times, but it has worked out. Yeah, and in in that balance between the two semesters, like you said, and working things out, um, how do you, how did you, like manage that your your first semester in season so actually let me rephrase this how do you balance that 
your first season as a freshman? Were you used to that many hours? What is your normal schedule look like? Um, was it similar to home? Uh, the hours were pretty similar. The intensity was a lot higher. Okay. Uh, you know, they the coaching staff really do know how to pack a lot into those 20-hour weeks and be efficient with their time. Um, and equally, you know, I wasn't used to training 1 to 4 p.m. Um, every afternoon. I was used to training, you know, far later, something like 7 to 9 p.m. So actually it was really great to be able to be done with swimming by 4 p.m. and have a life almost where I could do my homework and have dinner and be on my own schedule in the afternoon. Yeah. And with, uh, I'm not sure how swimming works. You're the first swimmer I've had here. So um, one of the things we all know is the amount of time and intensity it requires, especially here at Cal. Um, Is there any room for extra work or how do you how do you get to improve? Is it just day in and day out with the team? Is there Are there things that you had to work on personally to continue growing or, or how does that work for you? Uh, I guess there are a lot of similarities to other sports. Honestly, you know, swimming requires a lot of hours and if you miss a day out of the water, it takes two days to get back into it. You know, it's kind of that one to two ratio. So that's hard and you have to be consistent throughout the year and that's why the team is so good because we're all consistent together. Um, And then away from the pool, you know, the same kind of things with your nutrition and sleeping and those kind of tedious things definitely gave me an extra boost uh, when I realized how important they were, particularly after my freshman year, you know, being out of the dorms and being in a house and going to bed early and stuff like that definitely helped. Um, But in training, you know, I guess the focus is those technical details and trying to get better through that, especially as you get older, you know, you're not going to get any fitter, yeah. uh, but you can get stronger and more efficient in the water. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other night I gave a speech here for Cal, and one of the things I said is that if we know that life is about the journey rather than the destination, why do we focus on the outcome and result so much instead of the process and struggle it took to get there? And going through the bio that's provided here for you, it's endless. Um, there's California, there's international, there's high school. It's all over the place, and it's honestly too much to mention right now. Like it's, I mean, th- this season alone, three lifetime bests, setting yourself top 10 here at Cal, um, all over the place with nationals, both team and individually um third place at ncaa's uh recently qualified to the olympics etc all these things um competing in 2019 at the world university games um so yeah all of these things where is the process and the struggle for you that's never going to be highlighted so mm-hmm. did that exist for you or, or when was that and how did you get past it if i view this year or maybe this past year and a half because of COVID uh, as a process you know I'd say the destination was Olympic trials and you know even NCAAs you know as good as a bronze at a national championship looks that was a disappointing meet for me and you know honestly I still look back at that and struggle with that and that was definitely one of the kind of journey points and the points that I grew back stronger and had a lot of learning from. Um, 
same with, you know, even at the beginning of the year and in November and when I was setting those personal bests, you know, a lot of the times I didn't expect to. Uh, they were kind of meets where that was about having fun and enjoying the journey. Um, so it has been a long year. And even with those kind of accomplishments, each one has been a stepping stone and a stepping stone to, you know, Olympic trials and making sure I do accomplish my dream of getting on that team. When did that dream start for you? Uh, properly, it started in 2012, you know, being from mm. England, <laughs> we were lucky to have the Olympics in London that year and to have a home Olympic Games and get to train, you know, at just 12 years old alongside some Olympians from other countries, you know, from the Philippines and Spain and things like that. That was so cool. And that happened to be the first year I ever qualified for nationals. Um, so to kind of combine both of those in that year and watch the kind of Olympic torch relays and the athletics and all those Olympic sports definitely was like, wow, I want to be there. Yeah. Um, I hadn't put two and two together there with, with, with the <laughs> yeah. London Games, but that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was around the same time you also had to decide between swim mm. and gymnastics, correct? Yes. So you start your dream there. Is it something that is in your head every single day? Is it on and off? How did you go from there? It's definitely on and off. You know, everyone dreams of, you know, getting to the Olympics or these kind of wild goals. And for me, that's what it was. And there were a lot of times when I doubted that. A lot of times where I wasn't performing and I was questioning why I was in the sport and all those kind of things. And... I guess that's when it kind of switched off or went to the back of my mind. And then there were times, you know, even at 12, where I was like, wow, I could I could go. I mean, it was a lot of naivety at that age. Um, I was so far off. But I think those little hopeful moments accumulated into something big. Yeah. What would you recommend or what advice would you give to someone that is currently doubting themselves and whatever it may be? for a destination that is, what, nine years down the road or, or something like that, or at least the first destination, right? Um, yeah. If it's so far away, how do you keep the faith in yourself? I think you've got to do it because you enjoy it. You know, we all want to get these goals and accomplishments, but at the end of the day, when we look back, you know, a lot of the time it's not going to be the medals that you remember or the times and things like that. And for me personally, I wish that I had enjoyed some of those experiences a bit more you know I remember the first time that I got a county medal and my mum was like crying or acting you know like it was way bigger than it was and instead of focusing on the next thing I should have kind of relished that moment a bit more and I think just stopping to take time and enjoy that you know can pull you out of any rut that you're in yeah there's a an author well he's a trainer author everything that I really like. His name is Tim Grover. Uh, he wrote a book called Relentless. Uh, he's the trainer to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. And one of the chapters, I believe it's the last one, it's focused on a two-phrase, two-sentence uh, thing, and it just says, done, mm. next. <laughs> is that what you're trying to say with how you think of things, or have you learned to enjoy them? A little bit, you know, I think 
particularly when you have a bad performance uh, and is swimming a bad time, it's definitely, okay, that's done, on to the next day. Uh, you know, it is just a time, it is just a swim, and I think we do magnify it a lot more. But at the same time, you know, I look back now and I'm like, that was a whirlwind of a journey, you know, when I think back to when I was 12. And sometimes I wish that I didn't have that ethos as much. I wish to kind of take in the moment and then move on, you know, um, and spend a bit more time at that done part, I guess. Yeah. Um, And going uh, just forward a bit, um, just in in your journey right now, um, you talked about your struggles with NCAAs this year in particular. (laughs) Um, Before that, did you ever face a struggle or were you ever not as comfortable with this team you mentioned the caliber here for certain swimmers, I mean, for all of them, really is extremely high. Um, so how how was that for, for you? And maybe, like you mentioned, bronze looks good for some people. For others that compete and are working for something greater than that, it's not necessarily what you want. So mm-hmm. how are you fueled by that? How do you continue pushing yourself to even achieve more? Uh You know, it's hard because I had had a really good year with swimming, but it had also been littered with so many down points. You know, I had a shoulder injection uh, just before NCAAs. You know, I rolled my ankle and was in a boot in December. Um, And, you know, my family was affected by the pandemic and the struggles before that. And all those kind of things definitely accumulated and were a challenge for me, uh, especially mentally. And so kind of getting to NCAAs and having had a good season, even with all of those ups and downs, you know, I had expected more for myself. And I wanted to perform better because, you know, it's a team event and I had a responsibility as a key member to perform better, particularly on the other events, uh, you know, the 400 IM and the 200 backstroke. So... That was disappointing for me and it did take a couple of weeks to kind of get my head space back and go home and recenter myself because, you know, I did have another job to do and that was the Olympic trials. Yeah, for for me um, personally, I'm a sophomore, so my freshman year was not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's why I bring up struggles so much because I want to learn from others how they got through that process. I personally struggled my freshman year in the pandemic. It wasn't really the issue being the pandemic, but throughout that time is when I started working with a psychologist Mm. and that's what helped me personally. One of the ways I heard from you the first time was through your LinkedIn post. Mm -hmm. Um, And you talk about that mental health and everything you've been through. How did you feel then? And was there that same light at the end of the tunnel that you see right now, was it always like, do I push through this to get to the Olympics or were were they out of sight at some point? They were definitely out of sight at a lot of points. You know, even three weeks before Olympic trials, I was having conversations with my coach, you know, do I pull out of it? Do I take this as a mental break? And the decision that we ultimately came to was, well, go home, you know, spend time with your family and recenter yourself and... If you can get in a good mental space, it is far better to try and fail than to not go at all and regret that. So, you know, 
even three weeks before I was in a place where I couldn't have gone to trials and that was the same with November and before that you know where I was in a terrible place to the point that my parents you know had to fly out even with a closed border um, they managed to fly out to support me. Um, how, how do you work on those things for me it was through conversations through that sort of help and support for you is it going back to your family your support group your values or is it some other way that you may have a strategy looking at it now it's definitely working with the people around me and talking with them a lot more and opening up more I'm definitely kind of a closed book as much as I can be I hate to wear my heart on my sleeve, uh, but it has been so important for me this year because otherwise I just drown in everything, you know, and I think if we all hold it in, it does kind of explode at one point. And so being able to rely on the coaching staff here and the athletic department and also be able to know when I need to go home and get that support from my home, you know, I think there's a lot of things that just being in a different environment and being in the place where you grew up, you know, I think that heals a lot of things. And even as silly as being with my dogs and stuff like that, you know, that helped so much. And being removed from that high competitive environment allowed me to come back a bit stronger. Yeah, it's it sounds weird, but in a way, sometimes you have to leave so that you can mm-hmm. come back, you know, in, in that same sense, sometimes you need to fall to be to learn how to get back up um so definitely a good strategy i feel like especially for you guys to be (laughs) that intense um competing at an olympic level literally every single day right so taking that step back and and just reflecting on things i suppose is is a key that you found for for yourself yeah yeah definitely I while we were talking right now, I just realized that the Olympics were supposed to be last year in the first place. So going back to that, how did that did that change anything for you at all? Um, because obviously there's trials, the pandemic stopped everything. So even outside of mental health point, how is swimming during the pandemic? How does that work? Did you have access to a pool? How was training and were there even trials b- before it all shut down? So three weeks before the Olympic trials were due to take place in 2020, they were cancelled, which honestly was crushing because I'd had a whirlwind of a year and I really thought that that was my year and I thought, you know, this is it, I'm going to do it. Uh, You know, NCAAs got cancelled Then I was like, okay, I'll train for the Olympics and then the Olympics got postponed, so everything kind of shut down. So I ended up flying back to the UK and packed for three weeks, ended up there for six months, um, and was lucky enough to be selected to go and train under the government guidelines as a pro athlete or an elite athlete at one of the national centres. And at the time, only 32 swimmers uh, were really training in the country. Every other pool was shut, and there were two pools of 16 people who were allowed to train under kind of government supervision as they were the exceptions and the people that were Olympic hopefuls and I am so lucky that I fell in that category otherwise I would have had you know six months out of the water Uh, but I ended up moving away from home and going to Bath to be able to do that so that was a real good blessing I guess yeah yeah for sure I I didn't even know that was a thing so it's 
it's good that that worked out mm-hmm. for you in that sense. Um, moving forward right now to like this season and your day-to-day life back here in Berkeley, is there a specific routine you follow or, or what does it take to qualify <laughs> for the Olympics on a day-to-day basis? You know, I think it does go back to that consistency and not just going to practice, but showing up and practice every day. Uh, You know, it's swimming is a very uncomfortable sport. You know, a lot of the time you're pushing yourself really, really hard, but also just mentally kind of doing those laps and things like that and in the weight room and all those little pieces, just trying to be as consistent as I can, but also racing, you know, everyone that is there in practice because they have the same dreams and you know we do have two professionals who that is their lifestyle you know that's their goal and so trying to keep up with them and know that if I can then that betters my chances yeah um and in that like improving improvement based off of your teammates and that comparison um when I've talked to athletes from different sports so in soccer or football for you mm-hmm. um there's 11 of us obviously and we're all working together in a way here you're working or competing against sometimes your own teammates to make that lineup or that team or that individual event and then you're competing against the other people racing but then you're also competing against the clock so what are you focused on when you're in the pool and you're training and is it just yourself your time or those around you how does that work for you I think for me personally it has to be a focus on myself and trust that my teammates are pushing themselves to their best so that we can help each other you know I think comparison can be dangerous a lot of the time and send you into a bit of a negative place but it can also be healthy so using that as a bit of a benchmark but not hinging my success or my performance in the sessions on that hinging it more on myself and elevating my performance so that it elevates someone else's in training. Uh, Because, you know, we do compete against each other. You know, for example, at Pac-12s, you know, I was first in the 200 IM and my teammate was second. Or, you know, I was second in the 200 backstroke and my teammate was first. So it is, you know, getting the most out of each other and being happy for each other but also competing against each other. Yeah, it's all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's a, a cool way to look at it. I mean, mm. it's a healthy competition, I suppose, at least when, when you're all competing for the same thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, that does happen in individual sports like that, which is, I don't know, just interesting for me. <laughs> so something I always ask. Um, this year, you guys won Pac-12, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, so you win Pac-12s. You finish personally in third at NCAA mm-hmm. it's been a tough year overall for you you expressed that in your LinkedIn post and just basically with what you've described right now you show up to the trials how was that for you for you how do you manage the nerves were there nerves or <laughs> how does that work for for you how, how was it and how long ago was that like what month was that so it was in April mid-April uh I think from, say, the 14th of April to maybe the 18th, uh, give or take a few days. And that was hard because it was in a COVID bubble. So all the athletes had to spend the week in the hotel and you couldn't even leave the hotel for a walk. You could only go to the pool. 
Um, so it was incredibly strict. You know, I didn't see my parents that whole time. Uh, you know, I was on FaceTime a lot of the time. Um, and I was hugely nervous. You know, my event was towards the back end of the week. It was the fourth day. So I had to kind of sit through all those other days. And, you know, I was competing, but they weren't my strengths. And had to wait out till one of the last days. Um, and even in the morning of that heat swim that I did, it was an okay time, but I had a lot to drop to be able to be under the consideration time to go to the Olympics for the evening. So I was definitely nervous um, and doubting myself, but at the same time, you know, even behind the blocks for that final, it was kind of like, this year has been so hard. And, you know, I wanted to make it worth something and... I guess that's what I was thinking about when I was swimming. That's what you thought about while you were swimming. Yeah. <laughs> you finish the race and you talk about the time that you have to drop mm -hmm. um, to make it to the evening. Obviously, that was clearly successful. Mm -hmm. You do make it to the evening. And to my understanding, you finished second, correct? Yes. How does it work? How long did it take you to notice what time you finished in that you were going to go? You didn't finish in first, but you did <laughs> qualify so what what's going through through your mind because like you mentioned bronze is good but it seems like you want more so how, what was going through your own your own mind so you know I had a time goal and I had kind of a stretch of a time goal and okay. a time goal that was reasonable uh and I went far beyond both times uh to put me kind of around fifth in the world this year so wow. you know it was second but that girl is first in the world right now and had a breakout performance and actually that's what helped me get through to that time as well so it was you know it is hard being second and posting a time like that but at the same time to be sub 210 in a 200 am is a very kind of respectable um time you know it's a time that is a no-brainer you know you book your ticket to the Olympics if you kind of get in the top two and reach that goal. So for me, you know, touching the wall, I was kind of overwhelmed. I did not expect that time in any way. And, you know, the next few days it was tense. It was nerve-wracking waiting for that kind of confirmation that I did make the Olympic team. Um, I was definitely nervous, but it was a good nerves because I just couldn't see not being selected after posting a time like that uh you know there was a bit of doubt as well and then it did get confirmed to me a week before it got confirmed to the public so that was definitely a big relief it was hard to not tell people but that wave of emotions then definitely came back down to earth did you tell your family or anyone <laughs> or just yes yeah I mean well my mom got the email oh. um for some reason. So she was the one that found out first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And during those tense times, still, let's still remember that you're a student as well. <laughs> How does that work, especially at a business school like cause? It's definitely stressful and it requires a lot of flexibility and communication with my professors. You know, I missed so much school uh, this year. I've missed a terrible amount, but thankfully, it was online, so it did have its silver lining in that I could do it from the UK. Again, there was a time hour difference and stuff like that. Um, so just being willing to kind of, you know, Olympic trials is done. Now I fl fly back to Berkeley and that's my focus, you know, getting the semester wrapped up, 
and then switching gears again was how I had to frame it. Yeah, and it's basically switching gears on and off all semester long for this one because, like I mentioned, you are in season. It was Pac-12, and then it was Nationals, and now it's Olympic Trials, and then you were overseas, and now you're here. You'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's you like normal for many uh, Olympians, right? Um, the people you're competing against, what age range are they in? So I'd say that anywhere from about, you know, 18, you do get a lot of females kind of developing at different times. And so they could be anywhere from 18 to maybe 30, you know, uh, I guess that's the top end. So you have a lot of people, particularly in the 200 IM, which is my event, that are just swimmers, that are professional swimmers, uh, who are probably about 24, 25. Um, so... I am trying to balance school and a lot of people aren't, but I kind of don't see it that way, you know, when I get to the pool and when I get to competing, I just view myself as a swimmer, you know, the school then becomes in the back of my mind at the pool. Two separate buckets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, with with that age difference that there is, um, do you feel any particular pressure in a way, um, even like... I don't know, I'm sure between you swimmers or amongst you swimmers, you all know each other. You're probably known as the one that studies in the U.S. or that's in the U.S. as a mm-hmm. student. And even on the younger end, because you mentioned there's a big range. It starts at 18, you are 21, 20? 21. Yeah, so you're 21, you're on the younger side. Was there a pressure in that competition competing against older people that are professionals? And is there pressure going into the Olympics, even though I know there's all sorts of ages in the Olympics, but how do you feel being on a world stage at 21? You know, I think I haven't really thought about it that way. You know, the IM in the UK for so long has been dominated by older people uh, and, you know, particularly two females that have been to two or three Olympics already. And this is the first year that none of them are in the 200 IM and that two younger girls, myself as one of them, made that team or on that event. Um, So it's definitely cool to be one of the younger ones, but at the same time, you know, there's always someone younger than you or there'll always be someone older than you. Uh, So I guess, you know, I haven't really thought about it in that respect. Um, When I get to the Olympics, you know, I think there is just so much going on and... You know, I think it becomes less about age and more about how you perform on that day, but also, you know, the kind of pioneers of the sport or the people that have really been around the block and gotten those medals under their belts already. You know, that's the terrifying part, I guess, about it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you, you're you watching people that you grew up <laughs> admiring, so that's that must be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the sense that, in the U.S., you're registered as an amateur athlete, and then you go there, you're on a world stage. It's nothing amateur about that. Um, I mean, your competition itself here in Berkeley mm-hmm. is not amateur at all. So that's definitely a, a big jump. Um, moving forward between here and July, do you have the date on your mind, like specifically <laughs> thinking about Tokyo, or, or what are you thinking of right now? I'm kind of thinking about it in chunks right now just to make it seem a little more manageable and 
to not get ahead of myself. Uh, you know, I do, I fly home tomorrow, uh, back to the UK, and then on Saturday, I will be in Budapest uh, competing at the European Championships. And then I'll be back for a training block, and then I'll be competing again, and then I'll be back for a training block, which is a little bit longer, and then it's to Tokyo uh, for a training camp, and then it's to the Olympic Village. So it is a lot crammed into a short period of time, and so kind of viewing it in one or two week periods is kind of how I've been going. Yeah, bit by bit. I didn't even realize that you were going to be going back and forth and back and forth. (laughs) So that's already crazy in and of itself. Um, So much going on. Have you taken the time to reflect and realize I'm living my dream right now, or has that not sunk in yet? I think a bit of both. I think... It has sunk in to some extent and I'm kind of like, okay, but I need to just work. I need to put my head down and continue that. And then the other part of me, you know, I don't think it will sink in until I get there. And or I put the kit on and things like that, you know, the kit, especially for Great Britain, it is a big part of it. And it's a very special moment. Uh, They actually did the big press release with the kit today. So that was exciting. Um... And I think just those little moments will make me realise I'm living my dream. But until then, you know, I am kind of still in shock, I guess. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, it's amazing to see someone, like, <laughs> fulfil their kind of lifelong dream mm-hmm. in a way. So that's that's amazing. Um, moving forward with, with that last few questions, um, any specific goals in mind? If you don't want to reveal them, that's completely fine, too. <laughs> Um, but anything like swimming wise in mind, at least like for this weekend, which is crazy, you're going to be in Budapest and we're here in Berkeley right now. (laughs) You know, I think Budapest is about having fun and celebrating the fact that I'm on that team and that I will be going to Tokyo. And, you know, I obviously want to challenge for the podium and for key medals. Uh, same with Tokyo, you know, I want to go and swim well and leave my mark you know I want to be in an Olympic final and do those kind of things so you know there is a lot of pressure from my own kind of self and from my own uh, goals but it's coming from myself and I think that's the important thing you know trying to tune out the noise and expectations from other people and center it to myself no no that's that's great and that's how it should be Mm. so block out that noise leave your dent in the Olympics, <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure it'll all work out great. I hope so. <laughs> um, well, that's it for, for this episode. I really enjoyed getting to know you. This is literally the first time we've talked in person, so <laughs> yes. so thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story, um, and really, I hope for, for the best for you. Um, this weekend, I was going to say Olympics, but no, <laughs> this weekend and after that, and definitely in the olympics i'll i'll be watching and and cheering on i hope it goes well and that most importantly i know it's it's not the focus at times but that you enjoy it that you really live out your dream and obviously that that you do well and you kill it (laughs) so um thank you so much for being here and best of luck moving forward thank you for having me it was fun (laughs) thank you that's it for this episode of denting with fair um if you're on youtube please Like and subscribe and share to anyone that would like. If you're on Spotify or any other platform, just click on all the buttons. And yeah, that's it for today. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. 
Make sure to subscribe to my podcast and follow me on my personal social media accounts for more. All at Fer Andraes. All links are in the description. If this episode inspired you in any way, please help me out by sharing it with a friend to help them leave their dent in the universe as well. That's it for today. I'll see you all next time.